Hello, and welcome to the Four Bronx Community Podcast. My name is Laura Levine Pinedo, and I am the founder and the director of the Four Bronx Project. My journey has led me to such amazing neighbors with such interesting stories, and I am ready to share them with you. I invite you to join us as we meet members of our community, such as small business owners and so much more. Let's support local, and let's have a cup of tea together and chat about all things community. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Four Bronx Community Podcast. Today I am joined with someone extremely special to me. She is my right-hand woman in everything Four Bronx. Angie Rivera is here. Hi, Angie. Hi, everybody. (laughs) So what do you not do? So you have your full day job. You literally, I drive you crazy with everything Four Bronx. um, And you are the tech person for this podcast yeah and now it's your chance <laughs> to tell your story and air all your grievances to the community it's weird being on this end <laughs> <laughs> so angie rivero was born and raised in the south bronx your biggest passions are art and new york history although you've been through a handful of dark moments foster care severe depression two suicide attempts and the loss of your fiance you try to find the beauty and good in everything and everyone You've worked for CUNY, the City University of New York, for 18 years, earning several degrees in the process. You volunteered as a mentor for Free Arts NYC, providing access to children interested in the arts, but were at a disadvantage because they were in foster care or in shelters. You're a supporter of Adopt, Don't Shop, and you maintain an Instagram page for your rescue dog, Bunky, and show his little adventures with his sister, Daisy. You started doing balloon displays in 2015 when you used to bake and and a friend asked if you could help decorate. Time and health didn't permit you to continue baking, but balloon displays were therapeutic, so you continued. Volunteering with the Four Bronx Project has been a highlight for you to be able to continue healing by using your artistry through decorating and bringing smiles to as many people possible. So thank you. That bio's gonna make me cry. <laughs> so let's get back to you. You grew up in the South Bronx. Yeah. You were in the foster care system. Yep. And I think it's important to talk about this because I think this is something that's not spoken about as much as it should be. You agree? Um, that is completely true. Okay. And Angie's super emotional. And then I will get emotional. It's going to be a big like puddle of tears on the desk. So just tell us a little, you know, your story about what you went through as a child. Um, because I think this story lets people know why you are the way you are today. Well, um, well, as a kid, you know, I grew up in a let's say the like the typical household we got one mom two brothers um eventually my sister was adopted um you know i'm I'm not gonna discredit my mother i'm not gonna this is your foster mother this is my real mother your real my bio mama okay um you know she she had some points and i i think i i got my love of um arts and crafts through her so i i give her that um she did what she could do at the time, um, but she wasn't like a mommy, you know? Um, it was hard for her to say, I love you. It was hard for her to give hugs. I don't remember getting a hug. All I remember is saying, you know that I love you. Um, and, you know, she wasn't ever diagnosed by anybody, but I do think she had some mental health issues. Um, you know, when I was about five, she burned my back. You don't burned your back. Burn my back with on, what? A radiator. She like pressed me up against a radiator on purpose. On purpose. She grabbed me and you know, and it's 
you know, you don't do that in typical things. You know, we, you know, I've been locked in the closet a couple of times. She held a saw to my knees. Um, she had, she told me like, she wished she would have drowned me in the toilet. You know, um, say, I would love to think that a same person doesn't do things like this, you know, um, you know, and every, almost every day in elementary school, I would go to school with bruises and, it was, in and the this 80s. is really before anyone checked like they do today, correct? Yeah. So it was. Um, <clears throat> this was back in the eighties, and this is when it used to be called the Bureau of Child Services, uh, Bureau of Child Welfare, BCW. And you know, I was that one kid that was always in the in the principal's office, and social workers would come in and ask, like, "What happened? Why do you have this bruise? Why do you have this cut? Why do you have this burn?" And my answer was always, "I'm a klutz." I bumped myself or I fell because it was hard to say, well, my mom hit me because the uncertainty when you're a little kid of what's going to happen, you know, it it scared you. And on top of that, they always asked you in front of the parent. They never took you to the side and asked you, hey, what's going on? It it was always in front of the parent. So you knew that if you, as a kid, it's hard because your mom's looking at you like if you say anything like you're really going to get it when you get home or you get taken out of that house and you don't know what's on the other side of that door. Happen. Like it could be a worse situation, you know? Right. Um, but it, you know, it was a very hard time for me at, and then at about five or six, that was the first time I told myself, I didn't know the word suicide, but I told myself, I don't want to be alive anymore. At five. At five years old. Um, it was hard. Like this is, this is what I'm going home to. This is the person that's supposed to love and protect me. And I didn't feel safe. So when did this abuse start? Um, the first, the very first big moment, I was in kindergarten and it was the instant where my back, my back was burnt. So that's my very first memory. And, you know, a lot of people think that you don't have memories that far back, but when something traumatic happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> so I have, you know, this this little memory. And I like I remember the whole thing of how it started. And it was like a, over a bag of missing chips. You know, and, um, you know, did you take it? I didn't take it. You liar. Grab me. And one of your brothers took it? Yeah. One of my brothers might have took it and taken it. Um, Took it. (laughs) Um, She grabbed me out of the bathtub and pressed me up against the radiator in the bathroom. And, um, you know, she kept, you know, tell me the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And she... She grabbed my hand. The next step was to burn my hand on the radiator. And she, like, dragged me to the bedroom. And, you know, we, we, we used to have those coil radiators in the bedrooms and I was like five years old and I was like I, I, I said the Lord's Prayer like 10,000 times in those 30 seconds and luckily the radiator was off so my hand wasn't burned and that was uh yeah <laughs> this is like hard for me to hear this and it's I'm sure it's hard for you to talk about it it, it is I'm getting you know I'm smiling it's I'm like, getting a little like I'm, I'm emotional uh, <laughs> it's more of a nervous giggle but it, it what I learned was the more you talk about it, the, the easier it at, at some point it becomes. I'm not saying that my eyes aren't like tearing up right now because they are. It's like I, I kind of disassociate myself a little bit. And then if I hear the story, it's like, oh, my God, this kid. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> this kid went through. Oh, my God. That That's the only thing that keeps going in my head. And um, it, it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to think about it. You know, it's not like I, I sit and stew in, in these thoughts and sometimes it just comes back. Um, so, it, and I, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD. It's not, um, a friend's mom said, you know, PTSD, I thought that was like a war thing, a soldier thing. And it was like, 
the way you the way we think about it is we're going on our own little battle our own little war at home because who's there to protect us so that's you know and any any little thing any little sound any slight motion could trigger any ptsd right so yeah and I, yeah so um you were in this home until what age um basically kind of like my whole life so i i was one of those stories that sadly we hear about on the news um that you know like child abuse kind of goes under the radar social workers investigate nothing happens nothing happens and boom so i i was in and out of bcw and later acs um, investigations. But you were in foster care for a while. I, I was. Uh, I started, I actually didn't attend, I, I didn't go to foster care until I started high school. So I started my high school at, in foster care and I ended my high school in foster care. And how was that experience? I'm not going to lie. I kind of loved it. It was it was nice to feel safe. Uh, the house, I, when I was in foster care, I wasn't in a home per se with a foster mom. Foster, It was a group home. Um and the force, the the house parents were really nice. They were really supportive. Um, you know, it, it was nice to to hear. Oh my God, you're such a good kid, and do this, and I got an allowance, and you know, they took us on trips. It was nice to get that support in the in the household setting. You know, right. Um, you know, it, it was, I, I'm not going to say it was like the best experience. You know, there were some certain situations, of course, when there's a lot of kids in there with, with uh, trauma. Um, but it was nice to go to sleep and feel safe and feel like some type of loving environment. When you went there, was your mom like feeling remorseful? I or had any connection with her like during well, we, time? we did because they didn't uh take full rights away from her so we had like monthly visits so i would go home for the weekend and then come back and was she okay during this time oh yeah she's she, on her best behavior she now. was on her best 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 behavior because you know it, it's like i'm i'm going back and they're monitoring me like what's going on did she used to buy you like you know, like, did you have like normal like trick or treating? I did Santa Claus. All yeah, that stuff. it was it was outwardly like outwardly she was the perfect mom. Um, it's 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 like a tricky conversation because she, yeah, she was the wonderful mom. And then if I ever said anything or um, anybody noticed anything, but you know, how could that be? She was she's so good. She's so nice. She seems so loving. I'm like, yeah, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, right? Um, so I, and that's why I think it's nice. It's for people. It's very important to be nice to people mm-hmm. because you don't know what's going on behind closed you doors don't. and everything may seem okay, but it's not. Would you agree? Yeah, that, that is completely true. Yeah. And you really don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but she seemed very normal. Um, yeah, she seemed very normal to everybody else. And then it's like, we could, you know, we knew the truth behind closed doors. So if you could give a word of advice to a mom right now who's out there, who's at her wit's end with the kids, because kids can be annoying too. I mean, I don't have kids, but like sometimes they're really bratty, yeah. which I am not condoning any abuse in any shape, matter, form. But sometimes as a mom, I see them and they're just at their wit's ends and like they snap. What would your, you know, what would your advice be to someone who's really frustrated right now with their kids? Well, hmm. that, that's, that's a little hard, but it's like, there's, there's different resources. There's, um, there's also the, you know, there's the library, try to do fun things with them. Like a good thing. I remember my mom used to like kind of detox. 
take take them to the park. I know it's kind let of let them hard. run around. Let them run around. Let them exhaust themselves. Let them come back. Also, I am a strong believer in the arts. So something artsy. You might not be artsy. Get them a coloring book. Let them get that frustration out. Like put that coloring down. Um, so I, art is very therapeutic. Let them run around. You got the library. Like let them you know pick out a book and there's like different things. But you know I do. I, I'm not gonna again. I obviously I don't condone abuse. But there's a very fine line between um, discipline and abuse. You know, so there's certain things, you know, cut cut off um, electronic time because I see a lot of these kids in front of That's the a iPad. Thing. You're going to get rid of your iPad. They're like, no, no, no. Yeah, it's like the whole world comes crashing down. And I'm like, uh, okay. But yeah, it's like there, there's different things. Um, there's also like, you know, different community events. Let them join. You know, it's fun and it's never there's also some parenting courses there's some um sorry mental health programs that have like family programs so they also help you i i i love that because the first time i was returned to my mom they were like you have to do some parenting courses you have to see a therapist and i grew up where it's like my mom was very it was taboo so the first thing when they told her you have to see therapy you have to go to a therapist you do have to do family therapy the first words out of her mouth in her strongest Puerto Rican accent was I'm not crazy because that's the mentality you see a therapist you have to be crazy and that's not always true um, but they have a lot of family programs out there that help you and that help the mother learn how to deal and come up with coping mechanisms so that's that's a start I you know I speak to a lot of people who had childhood you know trauma did you ever, because you're so artsy, when this was happening, when this abuse was happening, did you ever escape or like make a character in your head of like another story or? I, I did. You did? I did. When I was little and you know, all these bruises come up and th- that was one point my first grade teacher asked me like, why did you get this bruise? Oh, my sister, Samantha. I had no sister at that time. My sister, Samantha did something and I helped her. And it was like, it was, you know, it sounded like a little crazy child, but it was like, you know, I, I wanted a younger sibling and this was it. Like, Samantha's the bad kid, you know, Samantha's the one that deserves to get hit, not me. Like I, you know, and I, I think I was a fairly good child. Um, I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't boisterous, loud. I was always in a, a head in the book, coloring books and whatever. Um, so anytime I got hit, it was like, like I, I kind of like put the blame on this invisible Samantha. So right. I had, you know, this, this, you little, had your scapegoat. Yeah, that, that was mine. Yeah. And then when your actual sister came, what was her name? Jessica. Jessica. When she came, uh, how was your relationship with her in the beginning? Oh, I loved her. Cause you're very nurturing. So <laughs> I could see like something yeah. to, you know, you, you always want someone or something to take care of. Yeah. So it, it was, um, oh, I loved it. And we had her. She was actually, she was, she started off as a foster child. Um, and we had her since she was two weeks old and she just turned 33 this, this, this summer. Sadly, I haven't spoken to her since 2007. That was her choice. She just stopped talking to me and, you know, was, um, was she abused as well? She was not. She was not. Interesting. I was, uh, what is it? Uh, there was a book back in the, like the nineties, a famous book. Uh, the child called it 
Yes. That was me. That's how I felt like everything was me. Like my older Your brothers, brothers either. My brothers didn't. I mean, my one of my brothers say, you know, we got it too. And I'm like, that's not did what she, I saw. Did your mother see something in you that reminded her of her? And she, you know, I, I, I don't have, know. I, I wish I knew. She um, passed away, right? She passed away in 2002 from uh, breast cancer. Um, did you go to the funeral? I did. I did. Um, you know, it was hard. I'm... It, it was hard in, in a point where it's like, you know, I don't know how to act properly. I never wished her death. Um, I was the one that found her. Really? That was hard. Oh, there's a ghost that came There's a ghost here. Something <laughs> fell. Uh-oh. It's Halloween time. <laughs> um, you know, I went, um, you know, some family members told me that I didn't react the way I was supposed to react. I mean, you know, if, if you ever went to a Spanish funeral, you got people throwing themselves on a casket. That was me. Um, you know, I was sad. I, I was, uh, the whole time I remember my sister was with me. And but did you almost feel like at peace as well? Because like no more abuse could happen? Um, no, because at that time when she passed away, I hadn't been living in the house for, for like three years. So she actually kicked me out when I was 17, when a situation happened with my brother and I called the cops. So you were living with her. Then for high school, you went to foster care and then you came back. I came back because it was only um, a temporary thing where they investigated when they investigated things. And um, I got to see a therapist for the first time. That's when I was diagnosed officially with severe depression for the first time. Um, And the whole point of foster care is to rehabilitate the situation and return the kids back. Hopefully, if the situation is good, return them back to the parents. So, of course, everything was Gucci. It was fine. So I was returned. And, um, you know, for for the, the three years in between, I, my mom was, she was good. I, she wasn't perfect. You know, there were situations right. that happened in here in between. But then my brothers picked up on the abuse. So the last time, the last night that I spent in my house... I was, I had just turned 17, like a couple of months into 17. I was in senior year of high school and my brother just went, um, ballistic on me and, um, my mom, you know, she rushed in. What happened? He's beating me up. I didn't see it. I was in the shower. Okay. And I was at the point where it's like, all right, I'm going to either die in the hands of these people or I got to get away. And I chose to get away. I filed the report with the precinct and um, my mom came to school the next, uh, the Monday and she, she told me she was either drop the charges or I don't want you back in the house. And I knew she wasn't going to do anything about it. So, you know, she kicked me out and like not knowing, you know, for a couple of nights I slept. And you kept the charges. I kept the charges. A couple of nights I slept in a couple of friends' houses and then, you know, I felt uncomfortable and I went back into foster care. So that was a hard decision. So, but I did it, you know, and it's okay. (laughs) And the foster parents that you got were nice? It was a foster, another foster home because again, like who wants a 17 year old, you know? Right. they were they were really supportive. They were really nice, and you know, though. At least you felt safe. I felt safe, and it was cool, you know. And I, you know, they they gave me a nice curfew, and this was like city agencies. It is a city agency. So you get your meals, and you get all that stuff. Right? Yeah, we got Christmas shopping. <laughs> oh yeah, we got allowance. We got you know, and it was during my senior year, so they even offered to pay for me to go to prom, which I chose not to do. Oh, that's great. And this yeah. is a what was this like? What agency? It was well, it, it's through ACS. My second home was uh, Hegeman Trend. Transitional Center in Brooklyn. So, yeah, it was cool. 
That was good. I had a good a good experience. <laughs> and then you still you graduated high school. I graduated high school and I got my um my GED because I didn't know there was like some uncertainty there. I had missed a few weeks of class when I had been um put into foster care. So I said, you know, why not? So I took my GED and then I was given my my diploma too. So I got okay. both. Yeah. And then you how did you get into college? I actually I took a three year hiatus because, you know, when you when you're eighteen you and you have to pay your own rent, you kinda gotta work. <laughs> so I I wasn't really thinking about college at, for a little while and I started working for a lawyer down in um near the World Trade Center. And he was like, Hey Angie, you're a smart cookie. Uh, you want to go to school? I'll I'll send you to uh, computer classes. So I got certified computer classes. And when I went to the computer classes, there was a financial aid officer there, and he was like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you apply for college? I was like, I, I have to go buy my parents' information, and I don't have parents, you know. Um, he was like, Well, you could apply to be independent and they'll go based on your income so that's what got me into college <laughs> wow and you graduated from where i i got my associates from borough of Manhattan community college cuny uh-huh. um then i went to hunter college and then i went to john jay all by yourself that's, all by that's myself. amazing all by my itty bitty self <laughs> and, and still like had your own place and fed yeah. yourself and yeah. all that yeah mm-hmm Wow, I'm so proud of you. Oh God, I didn't know a lot of this. This is like a very eye-opening. Um, so let's like get so you college, and now you currently work for CUNY for 18 years. For 18 years, and you do financial aid, right? I did financial aid. Now I actually work for HR. Excuse me. <laughs> so I process uh, payroll and benefits at the School of Public Health. Okay. Yeah. So it's that's pretty fun. I was I was a hunter for almost 12 years. Um, I miss it. I miss my friends there. Um, maybe, maybe I'll go back. I don't know. We Do don't. you have any tips for anybody going on a job interview? Um, try to stay calm. It's hard. Uh, be yourself. Okay. That's so don't say like, "Hi, I'm Laura, and I'm going to be right." Like, <laughs> you're new, <laughs> IT director. <laughs> Just be yourself. Just be yourself. Um, don't share too much about yourself. So this this interview would definitely not be an HR interview, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. And you know, don't don't sound cocky. Be proud of your accomplishments, but don't be cocky. That's another one, you know. Right? Is it like important to give like a two week notice in today's world, or not really? Uh, <laughs> off the record. <laughs> off or no, the or you want to plead the fifth. Um, off the well, off the record. Let's just say if you've been through abuse and a half, um, screw it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. No, I mean, I was, it's not going to hurt you like with future job endeavors. It should not. Like, what's a red flag? Like, obviously, like, or you know, not like. Uh, like a criminal record, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like a criminal record. Yeah. Like don't No, but like, what's a red flag? Like, like quitting, like, you know, no two, like your resume, like, can you say like, Oh, did not leave without, I was like, no, 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 no. I think the best thing is to be honest. Cause they're going like, to find out. No, right? the, You could be honest. Um, the best thing, if you felt, you know, if you had to quit, just say, you know, I had different visions and I think I outgrew my position in 
you know, where I left. Um, don't say, well, I hated them and they were so trippy and right, they right. were jerks, so I had to leave. No, right. don't, <laughs> we don't want to do that. But like if you're doing, if they're doing a drug test and they ask you, are you doing any drugs and you say no, they're going to find oh, out when you take out. the test. They're so it's better out. to be forthcoming. Yeah, with that, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> be very forthcoming with that. Um, like with CUNY, we do criminal background right. checks. So it's like, you know. Just now, are there second honest. chances for people who've had charges brought you know, like, um, there are some new rules which I have um, to catch up the on. The verbiage is like losing yeah. my mind, but like, I don't do onboarding, so it's you know, I'm not very well versed with those rules, but there are some things where it's like they they do give second chances. Um, car, you know, you rob a car and whatever, like, that's something. Um, with drugs, I'm not, I, I don't know. <laughs> right. I, I know like with financial aid, if you were jailed for selling drugs, you get no financial aid. You get no federal aid. So that's, that's one, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's let's switch gears to something a little bit more fun, shall we? Yay. So you love art. You're, an, you're actually an artist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're an artist. Cut yeah, it out. Yeah, you're yeah. an artist. And you love history. I do love New York history. Like, what's, like, some piece of New York history that we should want to, like, know? Jeez, Louise. On the spot. <laughs> There's so many things. Um, well, uh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, okay, Nathaniel Appleton, he was a writer. Okay. He used to live in Wave Hill. So say, uh, if you've been to Wave Hill, right? No, I haven't. Oh, no. Okay, so there's a playhouse right in the middle of Wave Hill. So there's a bowling alley. So the original owner built that when he got the plans for um, when they were building the highway. And he said, you know what? You can't build a highway right in the middle of my house. Right smack in the middle of the plans, he built the playhouse for his kids. Because you can't, you can't build, you can't build a highway if there's a house there. Right. So they went around and he got to keep that plot. And if you were to go to Wave Hill, you got the playhouse. There's a little bowling alley there. Still. Still. Oh. There's a mural on the wall that was about a million worth. It's worth about a million dollars. It was on a documentary, so it's not like I'm letting out a, a big secret about that. But yeah, and then you have NYU used to be in a Bronx community, uh, CUNY Bronx Community College campus. Uh, Lehman used to be Hunter of the Bronx. So there's, you know, like the Bronx has a lot of rich history. Um, I like I like visiting like streets that have the cobblestone streets. Right. Because, you know, it, it's like frozen in time. Right, exactly. It's the beauty of frozen in time. So from the minute I met you, it was very obvious to me that you live to make kids happy. Oh, yes. And I didn't know the story at the time, but you really just go above and beyond to make any parties, anything like this. So... I think like it's important because you do balloon art, mm-hmm. you do parties, right? Parties, mm-hmm. weddings, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> everything we do, right? The, anything you throw at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you started like, tell us a little bit about like how you met, you started with like Escalita Sophia Jalissa, then you met me. Yeah. Then now you're like four Bronx, like how all over the happen? place. All right. So it's. I, I'm, I'm, you know, let's be honest. I, well, I lived in the neighborhood about 17 years. Okay. So I live in North Riverdale. Um, I never really went along Mashalu Avenue unless I was going to like Becafino's or whatever. Um, 
so I actually have from going back to like the abusive part, I have a bad back, a bad spine. Like I get injections every now and then. Uh, so I had to go to physical therapy. So I found the physical therapist place down on by you goes right. Yes. What's it called? I forgot. Professional PT. Right. Okay. So then on my walks there, first I saw La Escuelita de Sofia next door. She has Jalissa owns the Riverdale pop up market. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, there's a pop up market. I love shopping. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and we can't really do too much shopping. Um, and then I learned that my friend's cousin was a vendor there. So I was like, oh, perfect excuse to go and visit. So I went there and I started going there. And then I passed, you know, going to PT, I passed by the burger house. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I saw a sign that said uh, Mother's Day uh, drag bingo. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I love bingo. And I've always wanted to see a drag show. Uh-huh. So so, I, you know, I was like, all right. So I walked in and there goes this awesome little blonde behind the bar. Little. Laura. Little. Little. Oh, please. There's nothing little about me, honey. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I want to RSVP for this. And that's kind of like how our friendship started. Like I went, I, you know, I was like, I want to do something special for Mother's Day. I'm not a mother of a human. I got two do- I, I got a dog and... And also, Let, Mother's Day could be hard for you with it your is. history. So yeah. You get out. So I was like, let's get out and have fun, and you know, and and it, it's also like paying homage to to my fiance that passed away because he he used to celebrate me for Mother's Day because he said I was a great doggy mom. So I was like, all right, let's Aww. go. So you know, and I, I didn't want to be alone. So there we go. That's how it started. <laughs> and I think that like. Um, so you went to the drag show. You had a great time. Oh, I had we an awesome time. On a great drag yeah. show. And then you got um, entangled into the craziness that is Laura Levine Pinedo. <laughs> and then before you know, you're doing balloons and doing, I'm doing spreadsheets bal- and I'm screaming was, and but let's start a podcast in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that our partnership kind of started with pride because um, I remember you were having a hard time finding somebody to do balloons. Right. And I was like, hey, I, I, I do balloons. I'll, I'll gladly do it. I'll donate it and whatever. Um, and I sent you a couple of pictures and you got back to me and you were like let's talk let's go and then it's like now it's kind of a partnership if if you have an event Angie's the balloon girl well you're like my therapist Uh, (laughs) no seriously and I don't think people maybe they don't know this like four Bronx could not do what it does on the level that it does without Angie Rivera so thank you you. and like you have kind of like taken over for me because (laughs) I am like running around town like crazy right now doing my thing Um, and like we still do events that I you know it couldn't happen unless you were part of uh, Of Team 4 Bronx so thank you so much but like if people want to find out about your company if they want to you know hire you whatever where can we find out like what's your company's name for the balloon part oh so it's just one pop away so that's the number one um, and there's what you call a ugly portrait of the dogs. Uh, so you have two dogs. <laughs> I have two dogs. We got Bunky. I, I um, adopted him from the ASPCA back in 2016. Um, and then I got Daisy during the pandemic in 2020. That dog, Bunky, is a demon. Like, <laughs> so Angie pushes these dogs around in like a stroller. They're two chihuahuas. <laughs> Daisy's so friendly, but Bunky, oh my God, that dog. I tell everybody. It's I like got, Pet cemetery. Yeah, like I got, I, 
I got uh, a nipper and a kisser, so oh, that's what it is. But it's like the perfect yin yang. Yes. So Bunky's the introvert, Daisy's the extrovert, and they are, I think, the perfect representation of me because they're little and feisty and loving, and that's me. It's, <laughs> it's like the draw, like the theater, like the happy face and the sad face. That's your dog. That's what they should be for Halloween. Oh my god! Oh, that's no, such a cute we idea. Got, well, we got something that's been pretty popular this year. So Daisy, the the nice one, um, <laughs> Angie had her at. Mashaloo loves you, our Valentine event <laughs> in a kissing booth. Oh my God. She made $15. Did she? She, did she made $15. A quarter for a kiss. She made $15. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I was like, hey, that was just a joke. And you could give her a treat. I had a bag of treats, but when I emptied out the box, she had $15 in there like a little stripper. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you do all these parties. Um, is there any events that you want to shout out for uh, for Bronx? For here, um, well, we have Bua Mashalu, uh, where I'm hoping that we could do Candy King Lane again on Mashalu. I love uh-huh. that. Um, What's here every Friday? Oh, snap. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> my mind escaped. So, um, for the last couple of weeks, we've actually been having karaoke at KRVC. Um, it's a community karaoke, right? Oh, yeah. And it's it's... I mean, it's a blast. I can't even, I can't even describe it. It's, you know, you get to meet new people, you get to reminisce with regulars and it, it's been so awesome. We're also pushing like, you know, bring, go ahead and shop, get your food from like your favorite local spot, um, nearby and then stop on by. And again, like you meet new people. It's the, like the craziest, funnest the la- This last week, how many people came in here? Um, Sheriff actually counted for us. He's a local celebrity sheriff. sheriff. Um, he said we had about 43. 43. And it was like in standing this little room. office space. Yeah. It was standing room only. And karaoke is here at KRVC 505 West 236th Street, um, right off right off Riverdale Avenue in South, and completely free and open to the public. Uh, we do ask that you support the local businesses here. We have Chente here, Tin Marin. Uh, Blackstone. Blackstone. <laughs> we have Salvatore's, Yo Burger. So, you know, we just ask that you come support business and just like have a good time and it's a good way for people to get out and enjoy each other um it's actually really popular and i'm so happy for that yes um so what businesses do you like in riverdale oh my god i gotta say i love tim marin okay (laughs) the watermelon mojito (laughs) and you know hold on now because you and i were at a restaurant this week promoting restaurant week and you fell in love with the drink right over here. Oh, Cocina Chente. What's up? Like, I've been wanting to go there for so long. Um, so we were recording reels, and they made a Rosa Colada. It was awesome. It's like a strawberry colada, right? Yeah, like a pina colada, but with strawberries. And I had another one, like, two days after. Oh, like, God. Sorry, and they to... did make us guacamole, <laughs> they went, and it was oh freaking slamming. <laughs> that guacamole was good. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And um, Anyway, anyway, I just, like, water my I'm mouth. Like, is watering an avocado. <laughs> so what other businesses do you like? Okay, so, and then, so I'm going to go back up to North. Um, I got to give a shout-out to Felipe and Erica from EJ's. A cute little hole-in-the-wall bakery, fresh. 261st. Yeah, 261st. Um, bake fresh on premises. And they have everything, but they, they also have Mexican. They have, oh, they started like a whole like little menu. They got, I had pancakes there one time. We had little tacos. Uh, they have empanadas. Um, so yeah, stop by. That's like the best place. For me, I, I uh-huh. love like little bakeries. So now I don't have to go all the way to, down to the South Bronx. I'll just like hop right. into 261st. <laughs> Where else does Angie Rivera go? Um, 
I'm, it's a chain and I hate to say it, but I, I, I like going there a lot and they deal with me oh, and the dogs, Dunkin' Donuts. And <laughs> <laughs> Skyview. On, two, on 259th, um, they, they have like, you know what? They're, they're really nice in there. They've never been nasty. They get a lot of slack. People, sometimes people are mean and that's not nice guys. Um, but they're awesome. Like, so Dunkin' Donuts at 259th, they also happen to be like a kosher spot. Yeah, so, everything in that place is yeah, kosher. Yeah, so um, they're really nice. So, And what about Homegirl in the Lotto store? Oh, my Alex, yay! She works at uh, Lucky Larry's Lotto. Lar- yeah. <laughs> next next uh-huh. to Golden Phoenix. So, hey, Alex. I'll let you know about this. <laughs> oh, wait, I got one more shout out because they're going to kill me. My niece and my nephew, I love you guys so much. Lily and Patrick. Um... Let me tell you, every time I see you guys during the month, that's like one of the highlights. And I love you guys. So I think people, not to jump back and forth, but mm-hmm. you fell in love oh, with yeah. a man named James. Uh, and he tragically passed away. How old was he? He was, uh, here, here we go with the tears, uh, 34 and a half. And how did he pass? He died of a stage four melanoma. And you lived together in Riverdale Gardens? In, uh, yeah, Riverdale Gardens, yeah. So he, he actually grew up in Netherland Gardens. Um, and we were dating, <laughs> this is a short time, but we were dating maybe six months. And then he asked me to see, uh, do you want to move in? And we moved in uh, a couple years into our relationship. We moved to Riverdale. Um, sweetest guy on the planet so I also got to give shout out to his parents for doing an awesome job um he 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 definitely was a character he loved everybody um he always helped everybody he always had like kind words for anybody if you needed five dollars he would do it um uh yeah sweetest guy (laughs) It's hard. Like it's a lot, hard. It's, yeah, a lot of people say that you know their loved one has a piece of my heart, but I'm gonna tell you, like he has my whole heart. Um, he nine passed, years later. Nine years later, he passed away March 18th, 2014, and he still owns my whole heart. Oh. And um, I, I'll forever and always cherish what um, what we had, and you know I, I think about him a lot. You know, so it's you know. Well, let's, 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 let me, because I see you're getting upset. Let's just yeah, yeah. turn around. But it's important to talk about our past. That's what makes us us. Um, and you've been through so much and it's just amazing how far you've come by yourself. You know, like literally you graduated college by yourself. Yeah. So there's no reason right now for anybody listening why you cannot accomplish your goals and dreams because Angie did it by herself under these circumstances. So I, I got it. I also got to point something. Another thing oh, sorry, Lord, about scared. James. I'm sorry. No, oh, 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 okay. So he had, um, cerebral palsy, uh-huh. but he, you know, he did the bike marathons he worked grueling out. Now he he worked for Apple, um, so he did a lot of um, working hours on his feet. You know, so it's like seeing what he went through. It was like for me, whatever I went through, I was like, oh my god! But look, at, he could do he it. Never like, he never let his disability stopped. define he him. Didn't, and then it was like he was going through chemo. He was like, his whole thing is like, I gotta go back to work. Like, let's get this over with. So he was like that gun ho attitude. It's like it's still in me and. Um, if you remember, like anytime I feel like quitting, like I like I James told, didn't quit. That so. He didn't quit, so I gotta go. And and I was like, I survive, I survive out of spite, 
coffee and love. So it's like, you know, I always got my Dunkin' in hand. I like that. I, I got spite because, um, like, my mom, she she was always like, you know, you're not going to do anything. You're going to be a crackhead. or And it's like, no, I'm not. I graduated college. I'm actually the only one of my siblings that graduated college and um and love because that's that's what keeps me going what's one thing you love about Riverdale and what's one thing that you feel can change I like the small town feel of Riverdale and it is everybody talks about the beauty the nature beauty and it is it's cool um and once you get your little group in Riverdale it's good it's not that it's clicky it's just you know you got your group where you visit places you have some coffee you visit you do your community um work with the with Fort Bronx um and that that's like that sense of community you get you know you build your own little family and you just keep going around uh, along your merry little way um what i hate ah. <laughs> now girl say we only have so much time uh, um you know i just there are uh, there are some situations where people could be nicer um um, I, 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 I've told you there's been a couple of times where I've been referred to as a spick in this neighborhood. Um, and, you know, that's not nice. Um, I, I, I do wish that some people were kinder. You know, if somebody holds the door for you, just say thank you. Um, stop complaining about stop everything. Stop complaining about, especially those anonymous posts. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> um, promote Four Bronx in 20 seconds. Oh, my God. I love the Four Bronx. I love the work you do with community and um, especially domestic violence shelters because that's so near to my heart. I love the fact that um, Laura's paying homage to her beloved grandmother there. It's so important to keep loved ones in your heart um, and keep their name and spirit alive. Um, so, for Bronx, they do a lot of community work, but they also rely on donations. Not they, they, we, we, we rely on donations and help and volunteers. So, you can reach out to Laura. Laura if you want to join this crazy circus. <laughs> no, we have fun. We have fun. We have fun. We have fun. Yeah. We go crazy and have fun. And then every now and then we have a nice little drink and sing karaoke and eat some food. Yeah, we love to eat. <laughs> so Angie Rivera, thank you so much for joining us. Just one pop away. Balloon services for all your parties and special occasions. And uh, we will see you for next time. Well, friends, that wraps up another episode of the Four Bronx Community Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, email me today at laurafourbronx at gmail.com. Join us next time.